me, I lead the team of uh, leaders who lead the church here and it is great to see you all, to have you here with us this morning. Uh, just one quick announcement before I really do begin the, uh, the sermon. Um, Angus and Fran, who uh, lead our youth work here on a Sunday night, uh, need help. So if you feel that you could give up um, a Sunday evening, be that once a fortnight, once a month, once every six weeks, we would love your help. Angus and Fran would love your help. Ideally, once a month is great because then there can be a bit more consistency for others who are volunteering. But whatever availability that you can have... Um, you'd need to be DBS checked, etc. Uh, but if you are a suitable candidate, we would love to have your support. So please, if you could talk to Angus. Angus, can you just wave? I think everyone knows you, but this is Angus. If you are able to give an evening, uh, once a month or so, to help in the youth here, that would be fantastic. So, we are beginning a new sermon series today. We're going to be going through the book of Acts. We're not going to go through all of it because I feel like people get bored of sermon series after a few weeks. So we do it for about 12 weeks and then we pause and we're going to do something else and then we'll come back to Acts. And I'm actually starting on chapter 3 today. I'm starting on chapter 3 because I couldn't possibly do chapter 1 without sounding like a broken record talking about leadership again. So I'm leaving chapter 1. I've spoken about stuff that I'd probably end up speaking about if I spoke about chapter 1. So I'm leaving that. Also, chapter 2, we recently had uh, Trevor bring some great stuff about Pentecost, and we had a Pentecost service, and also last summer, uh, the rest of the elders and I spent one whole month just talking about two verses in chapter 2, so I figured we've covered that pretty well recently as well. So I'm starting in chapter 3. And the reason I've chosen to go through Acts is because we are a church on a mission. We are a church on a mission. And when churches are on mission, there is a consequence. There are consequences between the church and those outside of the church. And there are consequences within the church. Being on mission, kind of stepping out of the boat, pushing away that comfort zone and, and, and operating and living in places where, where really our enemy really doesn't want us to live and to do things, it, it, it is a place where things happen. And so we want to be aware of those things that happen. And Acts shows us what the church do when the church is on mission. How does the church deal with, um, with persecution and with all the sorts of things that come with the church being on mission. How does the church deal with the tensions, the internal tensions that happen when a church is on mission? So Acts is going to be a really helpful book for us because we are a church on mission and we live in an age where the church, just being the church, brings opposition. And so I'm going to get straight into it today. As I say, I'm doing chapter 3. It's a story of a mighty work and a mighty word. It's a story of a mighty work and a mighty word. I'm going to start by just reading uh, chapters 3 verses 1 to 10. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple of prayer at the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. 
Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and no gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognised him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate at the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Isn't that a wonderful work, a mighty work? A guy lame from birth. You know, his ankles had never borne weight This guy had never entered the temple. He wasn't fit to enter the temple. This is an amazing story. The faith of Peter to grab him by the right hand and pick up this lame guy. There would have been people carrying him to this gate. Multiple, you know, it would have been two people probably carrying him to this gate. We don't know if this is like a slumdog millionaire thing. Is he being exploited or not? We don't know. But he's carried to this gate to receive alms every day. Peter picks him up by the hand, not knowing, but believing that as he picks him up, that his feet and his ankles are going to become strong and he's going to stand and he's going to walk and he's going to leap and he's going to praise. It is amazing. I I long for demonstrations of power like that. Do you? I believe they still happen today. I believe that we can and will see them. I believe that signs and wonders and healings and miracles, I've said this, are increasingly important in this day and age because we have got some people with some very hard hearts and we need to see them broken through. This is going to help. We're going to be talking about something else in a little while that that we'll talk about that. But you know, signs and wonders and healings and miracles aren't enough by themselves. Jesus knew this and Peter today knew this. In John 6, Jesus said this to the crowds following him. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are not seeking me because you saw signs, but because you've had your fill of bread. Don't work for the food that perishes. Work for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. And when Jesus was saying that, he meant to believe in him. To believe in him is to receive the bread that endures to eternal life. The living bread. People don't always want Jesus. Sometimes people just want what they can get from Jesus. Peter knew this. And I wonder how we'd have counselled Peter... If we were there on this day, we see this mighty work happen and there's a pause and we're going to go and tell Peter what we think he should do now. I wonder what we think he should do now. I think a lot of of what I see would be right, Peter, everyone is listening now. 
they're wrapped. What you need to tell them is how much God loves them, how much he desires relationship with them, okay? And that's what you need to do now, Peter. Everyone will receive it. They'll lap it up now because they've just seen you do this mighty work. But Peter, like Jesus, know that there is no relationship without repentance. There is no relationship without repentance. And Peter, being aware of this, doesn't rush to capitalise on this moment. People have just seen him perform a mighty work. They've seen a healing in front of them. A man lame from birth, who they have all known has been lame lame from birth. They've seen him laid out at the temple gate every day. And they know this is a wonderful healing. Peter wants to give God's people the bread that will endure to eternal life. He doesn't want to give them bread that perishes. And so he doesn't rush to, let me tell you how much God loves you. Let me tell you that he desires relationship with you. He doesn't rush to that because he wants to give them bread that endures to eternal life. And so Peter goes on to say this. I don't think many of us would have told Peter, this is what he should say next after performing that mighty work. While the man clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to to them in the portico called Solomon's and they were astounded. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. This is what he says next to them. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety we have made him walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant whom you delivered over to Pilate and denied in his presence when he had decided to release him. But, but you denied the holy and righteous one and you asked for a murderer to be granted to you and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead and to this we are witnesses and his name by faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know and the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all that isn't what I would have counseled Peter to say next that is that is a punch in the stomach, isn't it? Everyone there, they're, they're, like, they're astounded. They can't believe what they've seen. And then Peter says, you lot killed Jesus. You lot, you lot killed the guy that did this. And you just think that, I hope their hearts sank. I hope they realize, oh man, we did this. We did do this. Jesus doesn't want to give food that perishes. He doesn't want us always hungry, never satisfied. He wants us to have the food that continues to eternal life. I'm going to carry on reading now. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive 
until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Peter begins with his, carries on, sorry, with his mighty word to them. He's performed a mighty work and the mighty word is first to lead them to conviction. He's trying to convict them of the sins that they've, they've committed and they had. But he wants also to help them come to faith and relationship with Jesus. And so his tone is changing, isn't it? They began as men of Israel, now they're brothers now they're sons of Abraham. Peter doesn't shy away from talking about the reality of sin. He doesn't shy away from talking about the reality of the need for repentance. Many do these days. The seeker-sensitive movement, churches just wanting to be lovely places where people can come and experience the presence of God have shied away from talking about sin, from talking about the need to repent and believe. Peter doesn't. Jesus didn't. We shouldn't. We think sometimes, don't we, if we can just get people into a nice worship service, if they can experience something of the presence of God among us, if the speaker can speak well enough, if they can see that we're normal, and nice, then they'll come to faith. But there is no relationship without repentance. I want you to think about someone who you know who has never placed their trust in Jesus. How wonderful are they? How lovely are they? I want you to imagine who might be the worst person to have ever lived. Those two people are equally far from God, equally in need of a saviour who died for them, who loves them. Peter says that today, doesn't he? Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me, he says Moses, from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. He's speaking of Jesus. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. There's an urgency to our mission. We need revival. We need revival. We need God to revive us. We need God to revive this world. I wonder, can I get a show of hands if you've heard of the Asbury revival the last couple of weeks? Yeah. It is a wonderful work of God. It's a wonderful work of God. I'm so, I'm so excited to hear of what's going on. 
For those of you who haven't heard, Asbury is a small, tiny town of 7,000 people in Kentucky in the US. There is a small university, there is a small theological seminary. It has a history of revivals. But what happened almost two weeks ago was that a regular routine chapel service turned into a kind of 24-7 prayer meeting and worship. And I I listened to a great podcast by Premier Christian Radio a couple of days ago. uh, and, and, And the guy who, one of the guys, one of the guests on this podcast is from the Asbury Seminary. And he said, we prefer to call it an awakening here. We prefer to call it an awakening here because it's, it's Christians returning to God. It's Christians turning to God, doing what Peter told these people to do. I, 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 I mean, many of you, I'm sure, will, will know far more about it than I have. I, I, I'm so interested by it, but I haven't actually had the time to do very much or, or anything. But I want to read you an excerpt from an article that I did read. It was by... Uh, uh, one of the professors at Asbury, a guy called Tom McCall, and forgive me because this is, is not a short quote, but I want to read this to you. I teach theology across the street at Asbury Theological Seminary, and when I heard of what was happening, I immediately decided to go to the chapel to see for myself. When I arrived, I saw hundred, hundreds of students sitting quietly. They were praising and praying earnestly for themselves and their neighbours and our world expressing repentance and contrition for sin and interceding for healing, wholeness, peace and justice. Some were reading and reciting scripture. Others were standing with arms raised. Several were clustered in small groups praying together. A few were kneeling at the altar in the front of the auditorium. Some were lying prostrate while others were talking to one another, their faces bright with joy. As an analytic theologian, I'm weary of hype and very wary of manipulation. I come from a background in a particular revivalist segment of the Methodist holiness tradition where I've seen efforts to manufacture revivals and movements of the spirit that were sometimes not only hollow but also harmful. I do not want anything to do with that. And truth be told, this professor professor says, this is nothing like that. There is no pressure or hype. There is no manipulation. There is no high-pitched emotional fervor. To the contrary, it has so far been mostly calm and serene. The mix of hope and joy and peace is indescribably strong and indeed almost palpably vivid an incredibly powerful sense of shalom. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is undeniably powerful, but also so gentle. The holy love of the triune God is apparent and there is an inexpressible sweetness and innate attractiveness to it. It's immediately obvious why no one wants to leave and why those who must leave want to come back as soon as they can. Something I've that's the end of the quote. Sorry, that's me. I should have put a bullet point there. I would have known that was the end of the quote. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? Sounds amazing. There's something I've found myself saying a lot over the years. What, what will we do if the next move of God doesn't look like the last one? What will we do 
if the next move of God doesn't look like the Toronto blessing. I am, I am a very emotional person. I am often moved emotionally, particularly in worship. I don't have a problem with emotions. I've spent a fair bit of time on the floor in my life when touched by the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit moves on me again in similar ways, I'm not going to resist him. I want everything he wants for me. But I've always felt, I've always felt we, we must be careful not to miss the new thing that God will do because we're looking for the old thing. I love, I love the sound of this. As I say, not, not better. I'm not comparing it to what we've seen in the past. I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's different. It's the new thing. It's the next thing that God's doing. It's not the only thing that God's doing either. But here's the thing. Asbury, a tiny little town of 7,000 people. There are more people in Selsden than there are in Asbury. A tiny little town of 7,000 people. A tiny little chapel service. Probably no bigger in reality than this service here. But the power of God comes. The presence of God comes. And at the end of the chapel service, no one wants to leave. Man, God, you've undone me. I just, now I just want to pray. I just want to worship. I just want to read your word. I want to confess my sin and return to you. I'm just, my affections are being warmed to you again. And we need this. This passage that I've read today says, Repent, return to God, so that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Holy Spirit, and so that Christ will return quicker. Don't we need that? Don't we need that? I'll be honest, I've had an amazing week. We picked up our ULES compliant car this week. It's the nicest car we've ever had. I love it. Amazing. But equally, there have been challenges. And you know, there are times in life where I just go, Jesus, can you just come back now? This life really isn't all that. It really is not all that. Can you just come back? Can we be done with this? Can you just come? Really, you know, sometimes I just feel like that. I just want you now. I want to be with you now. This life isn't all that. I don't want to be so aware of my sins. Would you block them out? I want to, I want to return to you. I want times of refreshing. I want times of refreshing in the presence of God. I want to be like these students at Asbury. And the thing is, though, isn't it, is that it's a work of God. I can't, I can't tell you guys, right, here's what we need to do. We need to, we need to all, just right now, we're going to stand up and, and starting, starting with you, Sarah, I want you to repent of every sin you've ever committed right now, publicly. Um, and once you've done that, then we're all going to pray. And, you know, that's not how it works. This is a move of God, but we, we, I'm so excited seeing it and we want to see it more, don't we? Because, you know, the reality is, or at least the reality for me, and you might be, you might be holier than me, although I don't think you are, is that there are times in my life where I know that God is over there and I'm looking this way. Sometimes I'm even actively walking away from him and, and, and there is a call isn't there in this passage today and a reminder in seeing what God is doing in Asbury that we need to turn to him again 
We need to turn to him again. We need to repent that our sins will be blotted out, that times of refreshing can come in his presence and that we will hasten Christ's return. You know, Jesus is only slowing his return because he wants everyone to come to faith in him. He's only slowing his return because of his mercy and his love. He wants people to come to faith in him. I was watching uh, some. I, I have a really bad habit of watching those really short videos called Reels on Facebook and Instagram. I, 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 I won't tell you how long I can sometimes spend looking at those before I realise that, oh, the sun's gone down. Um, but I watched one this week with, um, is, it, is it Penn Jillette of Penn and Teller? Very, very famous atheist. You know the magicians, Penn and Teller. Very famous atheist. And he said, he said, do you know what? If you believe that you have the key to eternal life and you don't tell me, you, you must really hate me. You must really hate me if you think you have the keys to eternal life and you don't share it with me. Jesus said, didn't he, in his parable of the sower, that the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of the world often choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Do you know, as a, as a husband and father, I feel that. I feel that. So preoccupied with, you know, uh, are my, you know, I mean, Lynn and Alan have been so generous to us that, I mean, look at me, I'm wearing new clothes. Do you know, three months ago, I only had one pair of jeans. <laughs> oh, when it ripped, gosh, I was walking around with a broken crotch for weeks. I'm not even joking. You pay me generously, but that's the reality we lived in. And here I am, new clothes, feeling fresh. <laughs> Got a new car, feeling blessed. But I feel that pressure as a, as a husband and as a father. Man, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, they can choke. They can choke the work that God would do in us. We can be so preoccupied with living this life, which as I say, it really ain't that great. <laughs> really ain't that great. Jesus, return. <laughs> Do away with sin. <laughs> Do away with death and sickness and crying and pain. Do away with it all. We just want you, Jesus. Do away with it all. But there is hope because if we will turn to him, we can see our sins blotted out. We can enjoy times of refreshing in his presence this is the, the picture that Jesus gives us of this by the way as well is and I've called it returning haven't I not returning returning to God we've all turned to God already to the, to the best of my knowledge we've all turned to God already the picture Jesus gives us isn't it is of of, of being people who have had a bath we are clean but our feet get dirty because as we walk through the world today, our feet, they get dirty because, because we step in the wrong thing, because we didn't see it and we stepped in it, because someone kicked some stuff on our feet as we walk past them. Our feet get dirty and our feet need a wash. We are clean. We have had a bath. We are clean. But our feet get dirty and so we need to keep returning to God. We need to keep 
confessing our sins, enjoying the forgiveness of God and the uh, presence, the refreshing in his presence. Right, it's quarter to twelve. I'd really love to take communion together. We haven't taken communion together for a while. And as I say, I'm not going to stand here now and pretend that we can manufacture some Asbury-type moment of uh, serene quiet, or however the guy described it. Guys, in my marriage, I have to stir my affections for my wife. In my marriage, I have to, I have to battle to, to love her and to, and to make sure that, that we are good. It's no less true with God. We need, to, we need to think about how we can stir our affections for him. We mustn't grow cold in our love for him and in our relationship. But just like in an earthly marriage... There are times when that just just ha- I mean there are times when it's just easy and it's lovely and you don't need to try and it's just amazing but there are times when you have to try and when it happens it's amazing and even the, the just the covenant faithfulness God is faithful to us isn't he even when we're not the best he's faithful to us he's working he's trying even if we're not but there's a call this morning I think to return to him to stir our affections again to say, God, you know what? I, I want, I want what those guys are seeing in Asbury. I know. Um, would, Ali, would you be happy to share what what's happened in in Bath with Joel? Yeah. So, oh, great. <laughs> Joel asked me to share this. Um, they've had a CU events week uh, this week, just gone. Um, and at the start of it, I hadn't known that this was coming up. He talked to Jim. I haven't talked to him for about three weeks. Bad mother that I am. Um, so I sent him... The, uh, I, I, I've been seeing some of this stuff about Asbury. And then I, I said to Jim about it. And he said, oh, they've got an events week coming up this week. So I sent him... It was a bit from the Gospel Coalition about it. Um, so I sent him a little bit to encourage him. And he got back quite quickly to say... Um, what was going on and that certainly on the first day they had somebody give their life to Christ which was just wonderful um, and he said it just, it's continued and they've had during the week they've had at least three people they know of have come to faith uh, given their lives to Jesus they had a whole stack of books that they uh, got about the um, the gospels and uh, I can't remember what the title was but, uh, but you know can you believe the truth of the gospels they were given those those have all gone Loads of other books have gone. Um, they had 90 attended the, I think it was the Thursday or the Friday night, uh, that were not Christians, not part of the CU. Um, and, uh, yeah, they've just had an amazing uh, response just in terms of how it's easy it's been to... And, and a little bit, he said, I feel the key words to describe how sharing the gospel this week for me would be, it can't be this easy. <laughs> he says, many were praying for soft hearts and God provided... And he said he's just had amazing conversations. One of the conversations he had actually was with a girl who was a Christian who, I don't know why, but she, she sort of drifted away from God and not away from him, but just felt she, he, she didn't hear him and had had a lot really from the kind of charismatic, uh, oh, you need to do this and then you'll hear God, or you need to do that and you'll hear God. And she just had a wonderful chat with her and just said, it's not about what you do, you know, and God is there. And... She, she was so encouraged, just a chance to talk and come back, as you were sort of saying. So, Christian, and she said since then she's felt a lot closer to him, but she's not been focusing on her feelings. She's focusing on what God, who God is, and what he's done for her. So, they've had Christians 
returning and they've had new salvation, which is wonderful. And they have focused on, and one, one of the things he said was about praying that people will see the truth of the gospel and turn from their sin. So it is, you know, the full gospel. It's not the, just Jesus loves you, but it, you need to repent and, and turn to Jesus. I haven't, I haven't been uh, watching hugely closely. I've listened to one po- podcast, I've read two articles, and I've just heard the general buzz from people. Is that if there's anything anyone else has heard or, 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 or read that they'd like to share, it'd be great to hear it. Just to stir faith, just to stir faith. What, what's going on is really exciting. We, we, by the sounds of it, sorry, you, you, <laughs> Um, so off the back of what Ali was saying we had at Exeter we had our events week the week before so last week um, and to, to my knowledge I haven't heard of anyone who's came, who has come to faith but I had conversations with um, well loads and loads of wonderful conversations really exciting conversations um, but particularly with two individuals um, who said I want, I want what you've got I want to know God um, and have you know, got their contact and are going to try and meet up with them to talk to them more and they want to come along to things and they um, want to come along to church and they want to come to more CU events and that's been so exciting and also like what Joel was saying um, I couldn't believe how much, how confident I felt to just talk about this is what I believe, this is what the gospel is, uh, this is my this is my faith, this is my journey um, and it's been so exciting so yeah just really excited and um, would love prayer for as I try and yeah continue conversations with those people uh, yeah thanks thank you Anna Yeah, Father God, um, thank you that each one of us here knows you and knows what it is to be saved by you, um, that we have come to you, we have repented, we have returned, and we have known salvation. Um, And Lord, I just pray you would fill us with your spirit, um, because it's your spirit that enables us to speak. When When the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles, they were able to to speak and to witness um, to those around them. Yeah, Lord, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Would you fill us with the joy of salvation, the joy of knowledge of you, um, that we may pour that out to others? I thank you, Lord, that it's you who does the work. It's you who softens hearts. It's you who draws people to you. It's you who gives us the words to say. And... Would you give us, each one of us, confidence this week to share our faith, to share the truth of the gospel and all that that means. The truth of our need for a saviour and the truth of your love for us. Yeah, thank you, Lord, for all that you are. And may we just, yeah, may we pour that out to others. Yeah, Lord, we thank you. And we give all glory back to you. In your mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Rihanna.
there's me. I mean, there's me. It's hard to do anything in a balanced way in one sermon on any Sunday morning. There's me saying signs and wonders, healings and miracles are going to be so important for uh, you know the evangelization of the the nations in the future. And, and yeah, we have a move where God's just softening hearts and opening minds. And and so thank you for praying for us for that, Rihanna. Um, should we take communion? The band, which includes me, are going to come back and take communion. Um, I didn't arrange a host today, so I just think that if God just lays anything on your heart that you think would help us all this morning, um, just be bold. The microphone's here. Just come and share. Um, we, we are a family. We are a family. That's one of the things I've been trying to say in recent weeks, isn't it? I hate thinking about this as, as being an institution. We're a family. It's a safe place. And if you have something to share, please share it. If you have something you want to say, please say it. And we will worship God together. We'll take communion together. Yeah, too. And then we'll, and then we'll take communion together. In fact, if you could, could you bless communion for us after we finish?